I'm Brian, and this is Snorkeling in Popcorn, Brian Talks About Movies. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Evan Shermansky. He is also my former co-host of The Differing Cinematic Tastes of Jello and Oliver. He was Jello, I was Oliver. Evan, hello. Hi. You, you make it sound like I know what I'm doing with podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did technically have a podcast. That's true, but... We Having a podcast does episodes. not make that does not make an expert in podcasting. That is true. Um, so, people, you may be wondering. Well, no, because I haven't even said what movie we're doing yet. But uh, I will just say this is not the movie sixty five, uh, which I teased at the end of the last episode. That one's going to be tough. Just getting my brother and sister and me together in a room somewhere. Um, I did not see this in theaters this year or at all because originally I said you know. Hey, I'm going to do, you know, movies I saw in theaters this year, which I still plan on doing. But I also said that I would do other things I've been watching. Anyway, today we are talking about the classic Disney movie, 2022's The Banshees of Inish Sharon, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. And yes, technically it is a Disney movie. I actually like I I laughed when I. Oh, uh, right. Because they bought Fox. Yeah. So okay. I was I yeah. was uh on Voodoo, I think, and at the bottom it's like studio, Walt Disney Pictures. I was like, Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> it's pretty it's a bit of a rough Disney movie, but yeah. but yeah, this was I'd wanted to see it in theaters. I did not get to it because it's, you know, like an artsy-ish movie, and our theaters don't do it a lot, and at that time I wasn't you know, really going to the movies a lot. I hadn't really gotten back into the full throes of it. Um, but for a quick summary, and it's a weird movie to describe, wouldn't you say? <laughs> uh, sorry, I I was I was looking at something else. Yes, it is kind of a weird movie to describe. Um, well, before we get into the plot, so like again, it's I don't know. I fancy myself a a movie guy. And we used to do the thing where we would watch all the Oscar, like the Best Picture nominees. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was nominated for Best Picture at the last Oscars. And I watched it, but you were waiting for me before mm -hmm. you watched it. And I forgot about that. <laughs> um, well, so I don't we think I ever told you. I was just waiting for you because I knew that you were a huge fan of Three Billboards. I am um, a huge fan. Yeah. And I'm not such a huge fan of three billboards or to be honest this movie <laughs> um but so i figured like obviously i needed to watch it with you uh mm -hmm. that, that would be the good way to do it but i just didn't tell you that so. um but yeah that is a lot of why i was interested in this movie it's directed by martin mcdonough and written by him as well and he did uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which we also saw in theaters in 2018, which both movies are like dark comedies. Like uh -huh. uh, Wikipedia calls this a tragic comedy. And I was like, that's pretty fair. That's like, that's a good description of it. So uh -huh. the plot and I am going to say their names once and then probably try to go with just the actors names because they're Irish names and they're hard to pronounce and 
I don't want to disgrace my Irish ancestors. So uh, Colm, who is played by Brennan Gleeson, decides that he doesn't want to be friends with Patrick anymore. And that's Colin Farrell. Just out of the blue. Uh, he doesn't think Colin Farrell is smart or stimulating enough for him to spend his time with. So basically, is the movie is just Colin Farrell trying to reconcile uh, with Brendan Gleeson, who doesn't want to reconcile. I mean, that's the basic gist of the movie. Like, mm -hmm. that doesn't sound like a very interesting movie, but I don't know, just the acting, the script, the delivery of the script, like, it is funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so as the movie goes on, like at first he just, he doesn't want to be friends with Colin Farrell because he's boring and he thinks that, you know, he can't waste the rest of his life. He wants to contribute something to humanity and that, you know, in order to do that, he can't waste his time with Colin Farrell anymore. Um, and he goes to very extreme lengths to make sure Colin Farrell stays away from him and it doesn't work with that. You know, he, uh, he cuts his own fingers off. <laughs> uh, -huh. uh, he cuts the fingers of his fiddle playing hand off. First, he does one and then do he does the rest as Colin Farrell, you know, on multiple occasions tries to interact with him. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just, it, I don't, it's weird. Like it's a weird movie. What do you think? Uh, yes, I do think it's a weird movie. <laughs> uh, you, what other thoughts are you wanting on that front? Oh, just like, you know, um, you know, then it gets to Colin Farrell decides to burn Brennan Gleeson's house down mm -hmm. because one of his fingers accidentally choked Colin Farrell's donkey. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, basically the plot is. Guy doesn't want to be friends with other guy. Other guy tries to reconcile. It just gets really absurd. Um, and at the end, they kind of reconcile through their hatred. Mm -hmm. um, which I remember the first time I watched it, I thought it was fascinating because it just kind of like hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, that's what's happening. Because um, at the end of the movie, uh, they, you know, Brendan Gleeson escaped his house. He's standing on the beach. Colin Farrell goes up to him. He's like, oh, no, this isn't over. Like, if you would have died, it would have been over. But, like, it's still going on. Um, like, they're, he's now all in on the feud. Uh, Brendan Gleeson thanks him for saving his dog from the fire. And Colin Farrell's like, oh, yeah, any time. And it's like, oh, my gosh. They're going to be friends, kind of, in this weird, <laughs> twisted way through hating each other. Like, that's how they're going to... That's how he's going to stay in Brennan Gleeson's life. Yeah. So, so throughout the movie, Brennan Gleeson is always saying, like whenever, whenever Colin Farrell like gets drunk or gets angry or is in aggressive in any way, uh, Brennan Gleeson is something like, Oh, I'm interested in this person again. Maybe I mm -hmm. do want to be friends again. Um, so then at the end, when Colin Farrell, goes ahead and burns down his house and uh tells him that he's just gonna keep attacking him um it does seem like brendan gleason it, it's a weird movie like it's, the yeah. <laughs> the the motivations of the characters are often a little murky mm -hmm. i almost just choked on my own bile uh <laughs> it's a, they're, they're a little murky 
Um, so like Brendan Gleeson, he we we see him start to turn when he accidentally kills Colin Farrell's donkey. Um, so the donkey chokes on one of his cut off fingers on one of Brendan Gleeson's cut off fingers. And then Brendan Gleeson's like, Oh, I feel bad about this. I feel bad. Mm -hmm. I killed your donkey. Um, so it's unclear if Brendan in that last scene, if Brendan Gleeson is feeling more amenable towards Colin Farrell because he killed the donkey or because Colin Farrell is being aggressive. But, and then on Colin Farrell's side, it's unclear if he is pleased about the ability to be in a relationship with Brendan Gleeson through hatred, or mm -hmm. if, like you said, that they get reconciled through hatred. I think obviously on Brendan Gleeson's side, through one means or another, he is like he has he softened a bit towards Colin Farrell. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if Colin Farrell has softened towards Brendan Gleeson. Um, it could be that he actually just plain hates him, you know? And yeah, that's actually, that's a good point. Like, he finally got what he wants. Like, you know, Brendan Gleeson is being civil to him. Yeah, and, but like, he doesn't want it friends, But he doesn't want it anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I didn't think about yeah. that. Um, but no, the script and the dialogue, I just, it's so good. Like, I went back uh into the movie today just to make sure i was pronouncing in sharon right um and it was the scene where they're talking about brennan gleason's song in his house mm -hmm. um when colin farrell comes in he tries to be all aggressive and like insulting to him because that's uh, that's apparently how brennan gleason finds him interesting and i don't know if it's just a stereotypical irish talking or like the slang you know um but it's just, I don't know, it's it's so good. <laughs> um, another part, um, at one point, Colin Farrell picks up a music student of Brennan Gleeson's and lies to him that he has to go back home because his father was hit by a bread van. And it's, like, it's so random and so funny because he's like, that's how my mom died. <laughs> Like, it actually happened to him. I don't know. I thought it was just... I actually ended up buying the screenplay, because... Uh, oh, you I can buy it, the screenplay. You can. It's on mm. Amazon. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was really good. Like, the beginning one, they're like, well, are you having a row? I don't think we're having a row. <laughs> it's like, well, it looks like you're having a row. It just goes on and on. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I, I thought it was just really well written and well delivered. Um... Another thing I loved is just I love how the movie just starts like immediately like there's some uh, there's some like, you know, shots of the the island, but then it's just Colin Farrell walking to Brendan Gleeson's house and him not responding when mm -hmm. he's trying to get him to go to the pub. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, OK, so we're just we're just starting. <laughs> um, I like that. Nothing, you know, extraneous. It just it starts. Um. Colin Farrell, I'm now deeply in my prose list. Hold on, um, hold on. Oh, Let's yeah. go back to what you just said yeah. about the script. Um, I did do a little digging about this movie after we watched it. And so, what's the direct, how do you say his name? McDonough? I think it's Martin McDonough. M Martin McDonough, okay. Um, so, he was a playwright before mm -hmm. he was a filmmaker. Um, so, that's where a lot of this sort of 
very tight, very dialogue-based sort of stuff comes from. But furthermore, um, he had a play that was called The Banshees of Some Other Irish Island uh, that was never produced. And Wikipedia said the connection to The Banshees of Inisherin is unclear. Uh, But it's possible that this movie is a, a revision of that play. And that sort of thing where you just start, uh, that is very, very play-like. Because um, mm-hmm. you're obviously not going to have a huge preamble when it's a stage show. You know, right. that, that just wouldn't work. So, Yeah, that I mean, that does make sense, uh, you know, with why the dialogue is so good. Um, uh-huh. That's what he's good at. Um, Colin Farrell does a great job in this movie. He was nominated for Best Actor. Uh, he did not win. He lost to Brendan Fraser in The Whale, which I'm glad Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Brendan Fraser won. But can we stop it with the like person puts on prosthetics and wins an Oscar? Uh, it's annoying. If if that's allowed to happen, why can't Andy Serkis win an Oscar for all his motion capture? We've had that discussion before, but um, no, <laughs> I don't know that. I mean, I haven't seen The Whale, but I don't know that they would have awarded him an Oscar just because he put on prosthetics. No, Maybe he's... because he's on a comeback from being sexually abused. That's why they might give him an Oscar. Yeah, no, I, I said I love, like, I am I am happy for him, and I don't think anyone is, like, unhappy for him. It's just, I, I hate that, like, trope. And, yeah, I don't know, but that's neither here nor there. That's for if we ever do The Whale. Um... But Colin Farrell, uh, he reminds me of a mixture of Jim Carrey, Joaquin Phoenix, and Ty Burrell, both in looks and kind of in the way he acts. Um, This movie does a good job at depicting depression. Like, there's times where it's just Colin Farrell, like he's eating dinner with his sister Siobhan, um, and he's kind of just, you know, not paying attention to anything. Or like he'll just be sitting on the floor with, you know, as the donkey, he's petting the donkey. And then just like his his there's a moment where he realizes that the first day that uh, Brennan Gleason like started this fight or didn't want to be around him was April Fool's Day. So it's this like happy, sad moment where he thinks he's like, oh, yeah, it was April Fool's Day. Good joke. And it's like, yeah, no, he wasn't joking. Um, So I it does do a good job of i think of showing depression for both of them because brennan gleason is also they talk about the despair whenever he's in confession um like how's how's the despair um and i think that's kind of like the idea that he wants to leave something to the world like he doesn't like he feels like he has to do something to Uh make it worth it uh and he thinks colin farrell is holding him back but it's kind of like this delusion of grandeur like where he thinks that he's like uh like on the same level as I think he says Mozart uh, and he says like the 17th century and Siobhan actually corrects him. It's like it was the 18th century. So uh-huh. like he, th- he thinks he knows more than he actually does. Um, but that's his attempt, I think, to deal with like being depressed. So yeah. yep. uh, I-, I think they did a really good job with that, especially Colin Farrell, because like he's just a normal dude. Like and he thought that, you know, everyone thinks he's a nice guy. But then he realizes that everyone thinks he's kind of simple. And that kind of just makes it worse for him. Mm -hmm. Um, But what do you think? Um, Yeah. So I saw one reviewer mention that, like, uh, 
the it's a, they sort of implied that they thought that the arc of the movie was Colin Farrell eventually coming to realize that goodness has being a nice guy doesn't have any reward or being uh, what was the term they used? I think they just said being nice doesn't doesn't have any reward, yeah. and I think that's that's interesting. That gets into that gets into a lot of different questions about sort of what the movie is doing and what it's trying to trying to communicate to the audience. Mm-hmm. And honestly, one of my one of my complaints I see down on your cons list. You have written it's hard to come up with cons to this movie. <laughs> I don't. I don't agree. <laughs> I, <laughs> All right, let me hear them. Let's go. Um, one of them is I feel like in a lot of different ways that sort of murkiness about the characters' motivations, um, and even just sort of what's what's going through their head, what we're supposed to be thinking about the ideas that they represent. Um, it really prevents you from understanding what the movie is trying to say. So in the case of in the case of Colin Farrell, so there's so everybody knows there's a difference between being nice and truly being virtuous, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay, so taking that for a given and let's accept that the arc of the movie is meant to be showing how Colin Farrell learns that whichever he is, it doesn't have any reward. Um, the problem is we don't know which one he is. We don't know is like, is Colin Farrell just being nice, but underneath he's actually a rotten person or is he truly virtuous? And the movie is trying to communicate some sort of nihilistic existentialist thing about how, virtue is devoid of meaning or something like that you know and like and like a, and as he goes throughout the movie like does he go from being a nice guy to just deciding to not be nice because like they yeah yeah they, they talk about um like when the the kid with the bread van he lies to this kid to get him away from brennan gleason because uh-huh. like uh-huh. he's jealous um and then he tells dominic who will get into him later um but he dominic's this younger guy and he's like oh like that's a really mean thing to do like i thought you were a good guy yeah Um, yeah and that's the that's the specific scene that i think gives us any sort of clue about that at all it just and all it does is just sort of subtly hint that maybe what's going on here is the the veneer of niceness is being removed from Pedric, and we're seeing that underneath he's not a He's not a good guy. He's not a nice. He's just like the rest of us uh, where, you know, we're we're, sometimes we're nice, but a lot of times we're just kind of crummy people, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, that sort of thing, that would be one of my, one of my pushbacks to the movie is that I feel when you really start to dig beneath the surface, uh, there's a lot of uh, murkiness and unclarity about what's Mm -hmm. going on here. And I think, that might be intentional on, on the director's part because uh, three billboards was also kind of like that. And I know you didn't mm-hmm. like it as much as I did where, yeah, like the characters are not really good people. Um, at least, you know, the main uh, Francis McDormand in that and Sam Rockwell. Um, and at the end, it's like, like 
the the main question she's trying to solve was not resolved um so there does seem to be a a bit of a nihilistic just like eh. yeah i mean like, the martin what's his name mcdonough <laughs> mcdonough <laughs> McDonough, whatever. I'm just going to call him Martin. Martin's I'm movies. I'm sorry, Irish people. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Martin's movies, I mean, they're all very nihilistic and existentialist. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, just the the quandary that Colm and Patrick are faced with is like, they have this feeling like life is purposeless. There's no meaning. They're trying to find something that's going to fulfill their need for community and love and meaning and purpose. And there, it, it just, it doesn't exist. It's not there. Yeah. Um, and that, that's like literally the definition of uh, existentialism. And, and the fact that uh, Patrick sort of goes on a rampage and decides, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to break the law and just sort of do this aggressive thing where I'm making my will known. That's very, uh, that's very Nietzsche of him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, it's definitely like that. Uh, but that's not exactly what my what my pushback is. Uh, it, like to be clear, I'm not saying that Pedrick should be like a paragon of virtue or something, and otherwise mm -hmm. nobody knows what's going on. My complaint is that it's not clear what's going on. Uh, yeah. We don't know quite what to think because I feel like Martin has not fully developed the ideas in the movie enough to clarify is he talking about this or this slightly similar thing which uh, which goes in a different direction you know it, we just sort of get gestures to these ideas but they're very vague gestures mm -hmm. so um and then there's also like other things to get into like the movie is a metaphor for the irish civil war yeah that <laughs> mm, that doesn't work <laughs> uh yeah i i i mean i saw another reviewer refer to that as quote unquote flat-footed and yeah. i i i kind of really agree with that because i feel like the purpose of that metaphor is just to make the metaphor it's like, yeah. hey, look, the the conflict between these characters is like the Irish Civil War. And maybe there's some context to the Irish Civil War that I don't know that would help me see more meaning to that connection. But as yeah. it is, it just feels like a connection for the sake of a connection. You it's know? one of those things where, like, at the end, you're like, they're talking about, oh, I think the war is going to be ending soon. And it's like, now nah, it'll probably get back up. And you're like, oh, this is a metaphor for the war. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> it's not it's not great. Yeah. Um, is it is it, though? Or is it or is he trying to use the war as another point of data to clarify whatever's going on between the characters? You know? Yeah, it, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I honestly don't know. Um, Other things. Uh, So we talked a little about Dominic. So Dominic, I'm going to butcher his real name is like Barry Cohen. Kugan. Kugan? I, I don't know. Barry I just call him Barry. Uh -huh. Um we're just yep. insulting all of Ireland today. Um Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like his character. He plays Dominic, who's like I think he's supposed to be maybe like twenty. Like I don't know what the drinking age was. Maybe he's still a teenager. I don't know. I think he's supposed um, to be a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's he acts very young and stupid. Uh -huh. Um but he he really likes Colin Farrell. 
Um, and he hangs around with him and Colin Farrell hangs out with him because he's kind of the only person he can hang out with. And he has a crush on Colin Farrell's sister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like him. I, but. (laughs) Like personally uh, or aesthetically? (laughs) I don't like his character, but that's Personally or aesthetically? (laughs) Hold on. That's almost a compliment though. Like he's annoying. Like. Uh Uh-huh. He's just the whiny, annoying young guy. Um, But that's almost a compliment to the actor Mm because he does a really good job Mm -hmm. of playing that character. Like he does a fantastic. He does. He was nominated for best supporting actor, as was Brennan Gleeson. I didn't mention that earlier. Um, Yeah, like, no, he does a great job of it. And I think that's probably like why it's kind of a compliment, because it's like I am annoyed by your character which is what I'm supposed to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so uh so his father in the movie is like the local cop. Uh another con, I just am going to say it. I didn't need to see the cop's penis. Like well you did. So I, he's what, just what are you going to do with that? <laughs> he's just sitting in a chair sleeping and he's just I'm like okay, cool. Other things. Um the eerie vibe can be off-putting, but it's also kind of like the intentional vibe of the movie like it's very it is eerie and ominous um like there's the old lady mrs mccormick who Uh is super creepy um but i was reading on tv tropes and they're like you know there's that is she actually a banshee because they they talk about um brendan gleason talks about banshees portending death Uh um and she straight and they just up sort says, of sit by and smirk at us as we suffer. Yeah, and that's basically what she does. She even like uh-huh. says that someone's gonna die on the island. And uh-huh. spoiler alert, Dominic ends up dying, which they're never really clear if he fell in the lake or if he like killed himself. I don't uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. Um so yeah, I mean there's there's like some deeper things I think going on. Um, but you're right, they're never like fully explored. Which is kind of cool, but kind of annoying. So yeah, that's that's my cons. Um, yeah, I have, I have. Oh, I have a big question. Okay. Um, at the part where they talk about the song in Brennan Gleason's house, and he's like, "Okay, mm-hmm. we're, yeah, I'm gonna go down to the pub. You want me to?" And Brennan Gleason's like, "Yeah, were they actually gonna become friends again?" No, no. I think it's pretty clear that shortly before that, I forget what Patrick does. But it it really clearly shows to Brendan Gleeson that uh, he's not actually genuinely being aggressive towards him. Mm. He's just putting on a show to try to, you know, get him to be his friend again. Because um, to me, it, it kind of like I was like, well, did he agree to it? And then uh, Colin Farrell let slip that he uh, he drove away the, the music student. And I was like, is that where he's like, oh, no, this is not happening um or yeah like you said was it already did he already have that figured out i think he did i yeah there's a specific shot where i think it's a sudden wide shot it might not be sudden but there is a wide shot where he and why you know a wide shot always implies some sort of alienation or like a shift in perspective Mm -hmm. um especially when you're you're in the midst of a dialogue scene and you've slowly crept up to the extreme close-ups you know Mm -hmm. um so it's a wide shot where Pedrick says something and then brendan gleason just sort of like looks down at his hands 
in sort of an embarrassment. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, he he's he's got it. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. That that was just that was a question I had because I was like, it's it's not stated, but like I wondered. Yeah. Um. So like my one of my favorite podcasts, the Rewatchables. I want to start doing awards. Uh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, what? What? Are you you trying to wrap up this this episode? Well, no, we're going to, we can continue (laughs) the discussion in the awards part. Okay. (laughs) Well, fine. (laughs) Continue. Um, (laughs) So, we have the Ike Clanton Award for Worst Character. Um, that being named after Ike Clanton from Tombstone, played by Stephen Lang, a.k.a. he's one of the most despicable characters in movie history. But this can be however you want to define worst. Is it worst because they're not developed, acted, or written well, or worst because they're so hateable? Um, so for me, it's the cop, Dominic's father, whose name is Peter. Uh, he beats his son. I think they, he molests his son also. He punches Padraig. He's just an all-around terrible person. Like, he's talking to Brennan Gleeson. Uh, he's going over to to Ireland, like the main island, um, to to help with some executions. Like, I don't know, just to be there for, like, the crowd. Uh, he doesn't know or care who's getting executed because he's getting paid and a free lunch. So I think he's pretty much the worst character in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I think that's a fair nomination uh since you took that one i i'm actually gonna nominate column brendan gleason okay um because uh i so the so another another pushback i would give to the script is that his sudden decision to start chopping off his fingers is completely unjustified <laughs> um, <laughs> it really like, is it does not make any psychological sense whatsoever uh and they even like call that out a couple times some characters are like this doesn't make any sense why mm-hmm. are you doing this and they just sort of make a joke out of it and don't actually try to ground it in real psychology or anything but okay let's just take that take well, that can for I jump in real quick sure um and i think my thought on that and i'm not a psychologist that's my brother um would be that subconsciously he's sabotaging himself like oh look what you're making me do i'm i want to you know make all this music but because of you like i have to cut my fingers off um so he's like sabotaging himself because you know that way he can't do what he wants to do i don't know like i said i'm not a psychologist could be I guess I didn't see anything in the movie that would suggest that. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking because you're right. Like it, it doesn't yeah. really like that's your first option. Yeah, so it, it doesn't make sense. But um, frankly, what between that and his sudden rejection of Colin Farrell, uh, he is like literally emotionally abusing Colin Flair Farrell. Um, I I can't think of any. I can't think of any clearer example of emotional abuse, right? Like, yeah, you I suddenly mean, like, cut off all communication with your best friend. Yep. And then every time he tries to talk to you, you literally chop off a piece of your body and throw it at his house. Like, yep. this, is, this is not an empathizable course of action <laughs> at and, all. And I think that's... Um, 
yeah, like if, you know, if you don't want to be friends with him for whatever reason, like, okay, you can let him down and like, you know, just be nice about it. To, to He gives him like one shot where he explains that he doesn't want to be friends with him anymore. And then he just starts cutting fingers off. And yeah. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. And again, maybe that's he is just trying to hurt himself. Um, I don't know. But yeah, he's uh, yeah, it's it's just like. Yeah. And so at the <laughs> end, when Colin Farrell basically snaps and starts, you know, burning down his house and stuff, you kind of like obviously Colin Farrell, his character is is responsible for his own actions, morally mm-hmm. responsible for his own actions. But at the same time, as the viewer, you kind of can't blame him because Brendan Gleeson has been literally torturing him. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, so you're like, well, like, yeah, that would make someone snap. Yeah. Um, Second award, the Samwise Gamgee Award for the true hero of the movie. I think it has to be Siobhan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um. She's like, blessed. as noted on TV Tropes, and she's played by Carrie Condon, who was also nominated for an Oscar. Like, all four of the main uh, actors in this movie were nominated, which is awesome. Um, she's, like, the only normal person in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she tries to, I mean, a little too much. She tries to kind of shelter Colin Farrell from, like, this idea that he's simple and boring. Mm-hmm. Um but she also like goes to talk to to Brennan Gleason and she's like, what like what are you doing? And he's like, she's like, everyone on this island is boring. Like, you know, you're not special. Um, so she's really the only normal person in the movie. Yeah. I would say also, I mean, I know you find him annoying, but I'd say Dominic is another nominee for Samwise Gamgee. Um, because he's sort of he sort of acts like the foil for Colin Farrell. Okay. Um, and yeah, in a, in a lot of ways, he's sort of like the only emotional anchor that Colin Farrell has, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, but okay, yeah, that, Siobhan, that's... Siobhan is also awesome. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> the Millicent bystander award for most randomly funny moment. I didn't give the name or the reasoning for the Samwise Gamgee award, but if you've seen Lord of the Rings, you know that Samwise Gamgee is the true hero of the story. Um, anyway, the Millicent Bystander Award is named for the movie Flushed Away. Um, there is a line, and that's, I don't know if you've seen it. It's a Hugh Jackman as an animated rat. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the, the villain rats is like, I believe he said his name was Millicent Bystander because he said he was an innocent bystander. And my sister just like thought that was the funniest thing ever. So we call these Millicent moments where it's something that's randomly funny. Like it's not that funny, um, but it just hits you like <laughs> as, as like the funniest thing in the world at that moment. Um, so my nominee is the whole I actually changed this from what I wrote down, but is the bread van conversation. Ah, okay. Where Colin Farrell is talking to the music student and he's like, oh, yeah, I know you have to get back to the, the land because uh, your mom is dead. And he's like, well, my mom's already dead. He's like, oh, no, it's uh, it's your dad. Uh, he got hit by a bread van and he's dying. Um, and, and like out of nowhere, the guy's like, 
that's how my mom died. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> it's so random. It's like a joke that doesn't really fit in the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, But it's it so funny because like, what are the chances? Uh -huh. um, so that was, that's mine. Uh, you know, I don't think I have one. I don't remember any moment that was like randomly funny, you know? Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, all these awards aren't necessarily going to apply to everything. Um, yeah. So the next one is the T-Dog Award for, wait, that's, insert actor. This is named for The Walking Dead. There was a character named T-Dog who, uh, when I found out that he played, like, a gang member in The Blind Side, uh, it blew my mind. So my family now, that we call that a T-Dog. Like, when you find out that someone, you know plays another person like when i found uh -huh. out that the mom from the santa claus is the wife in air force one it blew my mind <laughs> so stuff like that um and i don't know that there's anyone in this because like these are all people that i kind of already knew um i guess for the like men, a lot of people don't necessarily know who brennan gleason is by name uh -huh. um so if they find out that he is hamish the best friend from braveheart or mad eye moody from harry potter that might blow their mind um or carrie condon as siobhan she was on an episode of the walking dead and she was also the voice of um iron man's like the ai in his suit after jarvis Oh really? Friday. Okay. Yeah. Well, that yeah. just blew my mind. Okay. So, so that that's who wins. Yeah. Carrie Condon is the winner. <laughs> um. Everyone liked that award. This was uh. This was suggested by Slippy. Um. Just for the part that everyone liked. I would say it's probably when Padraig saves uh, Colum's dog from the fire. Yeah. There's not a lot to really like in this movie. <laughs> yeah. But of course, you know, people like when the when you save the animals. He's like, I'm not gonna let the dog die. <laughs> He's like, my problem's not with the dog. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then the I didn't need that award for the part that everyone hated. The aforementioned cop penis. No one needed that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's fair. So yeah, overall, let's let's summarize. Um, so I don't think you're going to give this the score I did. I'm giving it five out of five narwhals. I just think it's so good. It's funny. It's dark. It's just, it's really good. Yeah, I'm going to give it 3.5 out of five Okay, that's narwhals. that's fair, though. That's, that's respectable. Yeah. Uh, reasons for that is uh, aforementioned, I feel like some of the thoughts are not fully developed. I don't think that the metaphor with the Irish Civil War is successful um and pursuant to our earlier conversation about being a playwright i do feel in some ways that this movie is not it's not this is going to sound stupid but let me explain it it's mm -hmm. not very cinematic and okay. what i mean by that is i don't feel that it really takes a full or unique uh, advantage of the movie medium as opposed to being a stage play. Um, the meat of where everything at is at is very much just in the characters, in the dialogue, uh, and that's fine. That is great. Uh, but in term, but movies are more than just a stage play, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. This is why, like. It, 
yeah, it, m- movies are more than just a stage play. Well, There's, that was that there was are one more, of the there there are more artistic avenues that you have. So like the you can do things with the cinematography, you can do things with music, you can do things mm-hmm. with all these sorts of things with editing. Goodness sakes, editing. Um, I don't feel that Martin really exploited any of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know, I think the movie Fences with Denzel Washington yeah. kind of got knocked yeah. for that too. Or it's it's basically, I mean, it was a play, um, but where, that's like, the movie literally just a play. That's literally what I was going to mention, and yeah. then I decided not to because I actually haven't seen Fences. But... I haven't either, but that's what I've heard about. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, and then maybe one that does a better job is A Few Good Men, because uh, that was also a play hmm. um, where they at least like I think most of the, the play takes place in just rooms or like in the courthouse and the yeah. movie at least tries oh. to like go out to different places. Hey, you know, what's a really interesting example of this is the Steve Jobs movie. Um, Ooh, because for those we... who don't know, we talked about this like uh-huh. two years ago, and we never actually published that episode. So maybe oh, did we never? Okay. we never did. I've anyway, never got around to it. Well, one of the things that we talked about was uh, it is a movie that is so obviously wanting to be a play because it's mm-hmm. all it's all about the characters. Every it has three acts, and every act is one big long continuous scene, like. It re- and Sorkin is a playwright. It's Sorkin is a playwright. It takes place in a contained environment, mm-hmm. uh, which mimics a real theater. So like everything about it wants to be a play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that movie actually did a really good job of exploiting the cinematic possibilities of a script, which is very play-like. Because mm-hmm. I can think of many instances in that movie where the way that they've edited things... Uh, the specific shot they've chosen for a specific moment really sort of add more to the meaning that's being communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously they do the little interstitial things that have like, you know, motion graphics and stuff. And that, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in at least traditional theater. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like that's a, that's an example of how you could do things cinematically. Whereas Bansies of Inisharan and possibly fences, uh, I feel like don't really take take full enough advantage of that to warrant being movies. Where basically. I will disagree with you is like the scenery is beautiful. <laughs> the scenery is beautiful, but I mean, it, it, it's just there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? like yeah, it's not like super. I mean, if yeah, like you could. You're right. It's mostly the dialogue and the characters, but yeah. Um, I will. I did want to throw that in there. Um, so yeah, that is the Banshees of Ennis Sharon. Um, thank you to Evan for joining me on this second episode of Snorkeling and Popcorn. Uh, yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have not decided what the next movie is going to be, so I am not going to tease anything. Uh, yeah, so as to that's not why give you I was distracted, info. Brian. I was looking at where you have. I don't want to give false info <laughs> written on your outline, and I was like, "You literally like that ship has sailed." <laughs> what well, is the point? Because <laughs> well, yeah, because after the or at the end of the first episode, it's like, "Yeah, we're doing sixty-five next," and that clearly didn't happen yet. Yeah. So I'm not even gonna try to guess what the next movie is gonna be. I have some ideas, but I don't want to commit to anything yet. Um. But yeah, I am Brian, he's Evan, and this is Snorkeling in Popcorn.
help. Let me do that one more time. But yeah, I'm Brian, he's Evan, and that was Snorkeling in Popcorn. All right. This or that. Well, I like the... Hmm. One more time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm Brian, he's Evan, and this was Snorkeling in Popcorn. I don't know what grammar I prefer in any of these. So, um, a couple things. So, I looked up the pronunciation just because I forgot. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's in a Sharon, I believe. In a Sharon, okay. I believe. And the the characters are Colm and Padrick. Padrick. And they say it like Colm. 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 Almost like Column, like the. Like, like instead of a row, but a column. Column. Um, I'm probably. What's the sister's name? Siobhan. That one I can Siobhan. do. Siobhan. Yeah. Okay. The Martin. What's his name? McDonough. <laughs> McDonough. McDonough. Whatever. I'm just gonna call him Martin. Martin's I'm movies. Sorry, Irish people. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, so we talked a little about Dominic. So Dominic, I'm going to butcher his real name. is like Barry Cohen. 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 I, I don't know. Barry, I just call him Barry. Uh-huh. Um, we're just yep. insulting all of Ireland today. I don't like his character. but that's Personally almost... or aesthetically? <laughs> Hold on. Mm-hmm. I almost just choked on my own bile.